Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, what's up? It's your boy, Joel Ortiz. And I want everybody to make sure that they subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Einenko. Yo, Tim, I hope all is well. You my guy. I know these interviews are not interviews. They're actually conversations, and I appreciate them all. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ice-T. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It is old fucking official. Alright? Stop playing. Download and subscribe. Library Rap. The hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It's cold. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's your boy Farrell March in the building. I need y'all to make sure you subscribe and download to the podcast Library Rap. Hip hop interviews with your boy Tim Einenkel. You already know. From the legendary hieroglyphics, he's about to drop a new album with producer Dead Perry called The Art of Reanimation. He's casual, and I want to welcome him to Library Rap, the hip hop interviews with Tim Einenkel. Thank you so much for being here, man. Hey, thank you for having me. not a part of me, dog. Bumper us, blood clot like your arteries clogged. Who started me? You ought to be regarding me. Your artistry's got a rocket. Crowds is a part of the job. I get harder than the vice squad. Dirtier than orders. Placing a drug order. So, you know, I was, looking, I was looking through your IG page because I, I thought I remembered you doing something, which I want to ask you about. And what I remembered you doing was, I believe it was you, and I apologize if I'm wrong, but you were talking about selling a song with an open verse for yourself to to not just one person, but to whoever wanted to be on the song. But the interesting thing about your 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 IG page to me was actually it read as if I was looking at a financial advisor's page, mm-hmm. and not someone who's a who's obviously who you are, hip hop you know hip hop artist. Um, why is your page reading this way? Oh, is it one important to you? But why does it read this way? Uh, thanks for the question. Uh, and. It's a very good question because, as everyone knows, I'm not a financial advisor at all. I don't, <laughs> I don't pose or you know act like one or anything. Actually, what uh, what we'll see if we got to, if we dove in, dive into those posts is a lot of talk about uh, some of the newest technology out, cryptocurrency, blockchain technology in general, and some of the opportunities that uh, blockchain technology would allow people and offer people. So even if you you could go back uh, as far as 2012 and see me discussing the same type subjects when Bitcoin just came out, you would get a, a 
a, a real in-depth look looking at my Facebook page because I was always not necessarily telling people what to do with their money, but wanting people to understand the opportunity that is out there and what it could do for us as artists and for the average person as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Particularly in the artistic space, uh, there are a lot of opportunities that can be brought forward with blockchain technology. And so I always want to, uh, people to get interested in. And even when I'm day trading, I'm also a day trader. So if I'm actively trading, I might get to talking about what I'm doing what to watch, but I I can never tell anything, anyone to buy anything besides Hyrocoin or bar when it was in pre-sale. In order to raise liquidity for a token we launched called Hyrocoin, we did an initial liquidity offering to see if it was a viable thing. And if people helped us raise that liquidity, then it, it could become, you know, actually tradable to help us build a decentralized autonomous organization for funding artistic projects. And so that would, that would be my main suggestion on my personal pages, but just to keep it, to keep it a buck the stage that I'm in, in my artistry, I, I don't really feel like, uh, I use my social media like a, a active brand would. I don't mm-hmm. consider myself and my endeavors a brand you know what I mean? I'm just, and and it's funny because it kind of rings true with my name, Casual. Nice. You you might see my personal some parts of my personal life on my uh, on my IG or other things that I'm just deeply immersed in and involved with. So that's probably half the reason why you can look at my page and be like, "This don't look like a hip hop page. This <laughs> is like a crypto page or something." You know. And, and what what when you um, what has been the reaction in terms of other artists when they see your page or even just talking to you about um, you know any sort of financial stuff? Is it is there hesitancy on their end to you know take that chance? I guess or I mean are they just not? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't even get into certain discussions about uh, again what people should do with their money or you know. My like, I will put up a post like I was watching this token this morning, and this looked like it's going through the roof. Or this token looked like it don't have it got bad tokenomics. More or less general information on different uh, cryptos and opportunities. I'm not even yay and or nay, and a lot of the times is, but I'm just sharing the information that I'm engulfed in a lot of the time. You know, someday I might wake up, do a lot of research uh, in the crypto space. You probably won't hear me uh, maybe three or four years ago, you might have heard me talking about stocks. Uh, But that was in me learning how to day trade, too. Uh, Actually, how I would do it is we'd have a, like, a learning workshop where we all say, okay, we're all going to take 250 bucks and we'll see how far we can get. Cause you can't day trade with 250 bucks, not in, right. not in the stock market, but on, in the crypto space, you can, but we see if we could grow those accounts over six months. So that was the last thing I did in that regard. But again, just like I said, you know, I've been out here for 30 years. I only, I ain't really tripping like that. I'm not trying to hold any type of image or persona. I'm trying to reach the people with beneficial inf- information. Mm. Uh, most of the time. 
I mean, if you think about, so, you know, obviously, uh, like, I'm from, you know, when I'm, I'm 42, so, like, you know, so I grew up listening to cassette, you know, buying cassette tapes and understanding how that was, you know, I'm now ben- more beneficial to the artists than uh, streaming services are, right? Um, with with what it seems like streaming services obviously are the way that people consume music and it also feels like it's also the way that is kind of screwing over the artists financially even more. Do you view or can we view like a Hyrocoin or, you know, uh, or NFTs, right, as a way of uh, benefiting? How, how I guess how does that kind of maybe benefit the artist more financially but also maybe even give the artist he or she control back over their their art i don't know how nfts will cut into the, the you know the pillage that <laughs> the streaming services do i mean some people say you don't like it blah 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 take don't take your small percentage and go somewhere else you know right. what i mean and be on a smaller platform and, and but but i don't know how exactly that this technology will affect what streaming is doing to uh you know record sales or what have you but and I don't know if all people see that as negative, just like I just mentioned, but right. I do know that there are openings and auxiliaries that it's kind of like when someone gives you a bunch of tools without giving you the instructions on uh, how to put this, whatever you're trying to put together. Uh, you have to develop your own instructions and in the ways that these things will affect industries. But now we have the cart in front of the horse. We have the tools before we have the way to implement these things. And so we have some, I mean, because this new technology is so brand new and, and only some of the ways that most people are using them are not necessarily to like affect the arts or, you know, people most necessarily been using crypto for uh, personal gain, uh, peer to peer trade uh, and things like that. And so seeing that this technology, which is, Blockchain technology and specifically what Ethereum brought to the blockchain, the ability to be able to run applications on top of blockchains, uh, it kind of gives us, again, the tools, all the tools we need for to do (laughs) numerous things that we haven't even discovered yet. And so when it comes to NFTs, for instance, that's just a prime application of what we're discussing. Let's say, uh, let's use Tory Lanez, for instance, who supposedly sold uh, like a million NFTs of an Mm -hmm. album, uh, each NFT at $1, supposedly. Uh, that right there was definitely cutting in on the record sales part of, I mean, it would be obviously more beneficial for any artist to just collect on their NFT on the same day it was sold instead of it going through all these systems. But I doesn't, I do not know how that speaks towards chopping in on the streaming space because you know what I mean? Those people who bought those NFTs still, uh, they get, uh, 100% usage in their iPods or whatever, in their phone or whatever. But I think those songs, I don't think that's infringing on the uh, streaming and I don't know how it will. Right. And also with, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, and if you don't, you know, if we, if we don't know, we don't know. But uh, with NFTs, in order to do something like that, you, the artists themselves would have to own their own masters, correct? Mm, in most cases, unless, I mean, but 
either own your own masters or have a label that's willing to do new and revolutionary things. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Because even if you don't own your masters, you might be on a small label that is keen to stuff like that. But it would, obviously it would be best to own your own materials to not get into any type of trouble trying to resell uh, the composition. Okay, I want to switch the direction a little bit. Um, uh, to uh, you're, you're obviously from the, the legendary hip-hop collective uh, Hieroglyphics. Um, and, you know, there's probably been so obviously throughout your career there's been they've had this collective itself has been a major impact on you but what would you what do you think the most important part of of the hieroglyphics has been for you in terms of your your career your, your artistry a oh, good question uh really learning how to be an mc the most important part we we honed our skills together at very young ages and it allowed me to you know flourish all the way until this interview like 30 years later I mean we went to grade school together and we talked about rapping in elementary school and so the most elemental parts was developing our character and competition and bringing our artistry forward second to that would be our major label experiences that we were privileged to have for a short time and then to be tossed back into the fire with knowledge of how uh, how things run, you know. When, speaking of, when you were after Fear itself dropped, you and uh, Jive, I believe you and Jive Records kind of separate went separate ways, correct? Uh, yeah, what, right after Fear itself, right uh, before my second release, we parted ways. Uh, you know, and, you know, and obviously you look back that there's there's lessons you've you've learned from that, and you've 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 flourished with that experience. Uh, when it actually happened, was there a, a quote unquote panic on your end in terms of what you were going to do next, or did you already know? You know, you already knew your next move. It was short term panic because of how they did it, and I didn't know they were going to drop me when they dropped me because they actually dropped me after flying me out to New York to do a studio session. Uh, to do a studio, and so while I was in the middle of the studio session, I got dropped, and so I didn't know whether the decision was just a hasty last minute decision, or uh, if it was like we're gonna we're gonna show him, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like so, I was like, okay, they flew me to a session with Prince Poe, and I was with Organized Confusion back there, and Pharaoh Monch and Prince Poe in the wow. studio, and got a phone call from Domino, like, yo, you just got dropped. And I'm like, what? We're in the middle of a session that they're paying for. Like, how is this? <laughs> I was more or less thinking about how does this day end? You know, right. like, how am I going to walk out this session and tell these rappers that the money that they're working for to get right now, now they're not going to get it. Holy shit. Wow. Exactly. So I was like, did they put me in that situation on purpose? How did you drop it to? Uh, oh, I just got off the phone and said, "Hey, yo, turn off the music," and I mean, and then told them to cut it. I was like, "Man, I just got dropped," and they looked Shit. at me like, "What?" I was like, "I don't even know how we gonna finish it this or nothing." They was like, "We gonna finish it. That's how we gonna finish it." They was like, "Fuck all that." Excuse my language, but that's. <laughs> they was like, "Forget all that. We'll work. We'll have our people work that out." But we about to finish this song. What was the song? Uh, it never came out because I probably I probably didn't even have the spirits to finish it. I don't know if we finished right. it, 
But I think they was producing a joint for me. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I know. We all we was working together, one of the two. That's so. But I, I yeah, you know, um, you know, you think about uh, not to continue with the history, but you know, you you look at the hieroglyphics and you think about how your albums were released, right? Social Mischief was released at there at WU ninety three. Dell released his in ninety three as well, but then you released yours in ninety four. Um, obviously, if you, as a fan, as a listener, you look at any of those albums, like they could have released in any order at that time, right? You could have been first, right? Uh, Dell could have been first. Why? What was the was there? What was the rhyme or reason behind how y'all decided to release the albums? Well, Dell was really like the leader of the crew, and he had the most activity. He was Ice Cube's cousin. And Ice Cube basically told him once he got on, he put Dell on. Dell told us once I get on, once I get on, I'm gonna put you guys on. You see what I mean? And so that's how that worked. If Dell didn't get on, we wasn't get, getting on because we didn't have no inlets to the industry. Mm-hmm. Dell's inlet was Ice Cube, and everybody kept their words, and it helped bring out hieroglyphics. And so I didn't really have any association with Ice Cube, but it was that he was willing to create a buzz over his cousin. And then when people was trying to look to see, well, who's his cousin friends and, 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 you know, who's their crew? It was us. And so I got approached by different labels. He was on Electra. I got approached by, I wound up with Jive. I got approached by a couple of labels, but I wound up with Jive. Mm-hmm. I I always really like that the opening track to Fear Itself was a freestyle. It's a freestyle. That was is, mm-hmm. yep. um, you know, obviously setting the groundwork for what you do really well, lyricism. Um, why? What was the thinking behind for you at that time to open up the your debut album of all things with a, with a freestyle? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know exactly what made me want to do that, but. Uh... It, it was like the spirit of how we got down back then. Like, we gonna start this off with a freestyle. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just to, because a lot of people didn't want a freestyle. So that's how you did it. Like, if you think that's the weak link, then you put that on the table first. And so it was kind of like how we was playing our little poker game of coming out into introducing ourselves to hip hop. Like, since we know the majority of people who about to try to critique this album don't want to freestyle publicly, will freestyle on my whole debut album on the first track. Mm-hmm. And it kind of worked, you know what I mean? Because people was like, was that a free? You really just thought that up? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we probably did two takes. You know, I didn't like the first one. Then I said, let's do it again. And, you know, the rhymes were different each time. <laughs> and mm-hmm. maybe did three, but the one that uh, I liked was that. It was spontaneous. Uh, if we, you know, fast forward to today, we turn to your your new pro- upcoming project with Dead Perry, the art of reanimation. Um, how did like, how did you connect with Dead Perry? But how did this project came to be, and why uh, why the approach of remixes of tracks from your EP, uh, Big Head Science? Yeah, well, Perry's been around for uh, Dead Perry has been around for a while, but you know, we we was working, and he just took advantage of. Opportunity. I needed somebody to. I wanted someone to remix this. Uh, my last album, Big Hair Science, and he was he was right on the case. 
And so not only uh, did we come up with the art and reanimation, which has a lot of uh, that content on there, we also came up with like five or six exclusive joints Mm-hmm. and working in the process. And so he orchestrated all, he got uh, uh, all of it, uh, bringing forth, making this project into a brand new project, getting like self-titled, Danielson, uh, a lot of pe- a lot of other artists on there, you know what I'm saying, in order to make this project like something brand new. Uh, the opening track, uh, Shut Shit Down, is a completely new track with just bars, no hook. Uh, starts out with you rhyming over I say I, I, simple, but not to belittle. It does a very quote unquote simple guitar, right? Mm-hmm. And I believe a violin. Uh, and then about fifty five seconds in, the plea just completely changes. Uh, can you talk to me about the writing process for this track? Uh, did you like hear the beat first, or did you just kind of have the rhyme already, or how did how did it work? You know, I, I, I so I have a good story about. Uh, the process for this album, for the new content on this album, because actually, just as you mentioned in my beginning on Fear Itself, I challenged myself to freestyle on that song, uh, the introductory song. Well, actually, these on these five new songs, none of that content is written. Uh, it's not wow. written anywhere. I won't call it freestyle because my process is different now. Meaning back, in, I mean, to me, I appreciate a freestyle as a spine, uninterrupted, and that's that's very uh, key, an uninterrupted, spontaneous flow of, you know, <laughs> un, an uninterrupted, spontaneous flow. That's freestyle. But if it's, it could be spontaneous, but if it's interrupted and you take advantage of time to scribble down some rhymes in your head, but you don't really mm-hmm. put them on paper, then you recite them like a minute later. That's not really the type, what we call a freestyle back in the day. And so, but it's more of my process now. I just turn on the mic, start rapping. You know what I'm saying? And then I'll just go back and if I have parts I don't like, I'll take them out and, and just say some different raps right there. But none of it's written. Uh, I just will think of it right as soon as they press record. You know what I mean? And that's really fun for me because I felt like I was channeling some different bars on this uh on this album. And also it gave it a, di- a little different feeling. So when hearing that track, I mean, initially I was thinking this intro, like, I mean, it's kind of like a long intro for me to just be rhyming with no drums and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do it in the typical rapper style. So my spontaneous intuition told me to do it in like a spoken word style. And I, I like, uh, you know, I'm not very religious, but I do like listening to the audio books of the Bible. Mm. And 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 it's kind of like because I'm very fond of uh, exaggerated narration. You know what I mean? Right. Like and when the shadows came, and like I like yeah, yeah. I like hearing people talk like that is amusing to me. And I also feel like I want to incorporate that in the hip hop. I think it's powerful. I think it's just a good uh, good for orators to be able to have that in their bag. And so I was kind of like reaching into that bag a little bit on 
on some of these songs. And even on that song that you mentioned, I went from my like ancient, uh, to me at least, the scenery that I see around my, because in order to draw some of these images, you have to have the whole scene. So I was kind of like in an ancient place in the beginning of that song, probably thinking of some mystic stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> and trying to relay that to the listener. And then I got back to just the traditional bars that'll make people say, yo, this is hot. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you, do you hear that? Are you hearing, so you're not hearing the beats prior to just going in on the track, right? Uh, only a little bit. And really when I rock like this, I really don't like to hear the beat far in advance because there's something I want to capture. I remember when I was younger, I would get so excited when someone played me a brand new beat, then I would take that beat and go back to write it. And I couldn't recapture that initial excitement. Hmm. That that I wanted to write to that beat, you know what I mean. So I was like, yeah. "Why was I so juiced about this beat?" You know, yeah. well, if you don't capture it, you won't have to. If you capture it, you don't have to ask that question. And so for me, I don't even like to listen to beats I might rock to until right before I'm about to record on them. Like you know, since so even some dudes will be hitting me like, "You listening to that beat yet? You listening to that beat yet?" And after a while, I just got confident in saying no. Because first of all, calling me, asking me if you listen to that beat yet, uh, that's not going to do nothing for the process. You know what I mean? And to respect my process of how I want to do things, it's no disrespect. You know, it's not it's not temporal whether I listen. It's, it's atemporal when I listen to your beat. I want it to be 
the first impression captured on the wax. And so a lot of the times on this album, you do have my first impressions, or at least close to that, captured on the wax. And I imagine you want to be in the the, the, the right headspace for it, right? I mean, if someone is harassing you to, to listen to the beat, then he's going to be angry. Or just annoyed with them and listen to it. And, and, and the beat, the beat could be a great beat, but since you're annoyed with the person, you just have a kind of a, maybe an ill, ill point of view. Yeah. About it. Well, there's nothing wrong with follow up. Don't get me wrong, uh, eager producers. But what I'm trying to say <laughs> is this that ain't how hip hop work. You send out a beat and then you let your magic work. If your beat is good, they're going to get back at you, period. Ain't no way around mm-hmm. it. Now, if they ain't listen to it right, they can't get back at you. But all MCs listen to beats when time avails because they need them. And so if you saying you listen to that beat, you basically telling me to do the project on your timetable and not mm-hmm. mine. You know what I mean? And that's the only negative thing I get from that. But I won't I won't be looking negative at a person following up just to see what happened. But I just told you I got confident in saying, no, I didn't. And then seeing how they respond. And then if I have to explain it to you, I will. But you know what I mean. I just got some confidence in that. Uh, on the track uh, Let's Go Camping, the word out is very, you know, it's used a lot, right? It's uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's used to kind of stress the importance for you of people getting out and mm-hmm. going somewhere. Uh, I know you, 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 you've talked about interviews going camping. You've talked about an RV and stuff like that. What, what's, what has been like the importance um, for you being able to go out, go camping, and, and how how do you think that's impacted you as an artist and even your, maybe not even writing process, but your kind of lyrical creation process? Stress relief, nature, being in nature, uh, being able to be uh, enjoy silence, uh, you know, that's just beautiful for me. I don't think that I should, you should always hear city sounds and, you know, your brain should sound like a factory all the time. Cha-chum, chum, chum. You know, you should be able to hear a bird tweet sometimes and a fish splash in the water. And I, I like that. And so I can't do without it. Uh, I actually went and walked on the California aqueduct this morning and just tossed a big fat swim bait lure that I knew nothing would hit into the water just as a part of my process of staying grounded and you know, enjoying life as we hop in and out of the hamster wheel. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, there's, a, there's a lot you can learn from just silence around mm-hmm. you. Exactly. Um, it's funny, my cousin, this last summer, he drove from Maryland to Arizona in RV for the first time with his wife and two kids that are under five. And he said it was great, but there was a lot of scary parts of America uh, that he definitely did not want to deal with. Um, what's the furthest you've driven? Oh, I've driven all over uh, the United States and Europe. You know what I'm saying? Like going in and out uh, from Italy to Switzerland and all over the place. Uh, I, yeah, imagine, I don't know who your friend was, but... I've been to a lot of those places and I feel exactly what he's saying. Uh, there's certain areas you just like, man, let me just go, man. Let's just get right. back in the car. Like, I don't know what's going on over here. I don't <laughs> want to find out too much. But you got to understand that's our own skepticisms. Those people are just living where they're living and doing what they're doing too. 
uh, you know, we look at foreign things the same way, even domestically. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you get outside of your region and stuff is foreign to you, right? I mean, yeah. even I, I moved to the country in California. I don't live in Oakland. I live about an hour away now. And when I first got here, everything was just like that. I felt like, oh, man, I don't want to be around here. <laughs> now I just drive up and down the street with these uh you know, I was thinking about the flags people fly in front of their houses, uh, whether they're political or not. And I don't even trip. I just be like, I used to think that now this is my hood. And so really right. it's about how we approach uh, our approach to foreign things make us feel weird, even domestically. You know? Right. Right. No, yeah. For me, I, I, I'm still, I'm slowly getting over it, but as a New York, I'm, I, it, it takes me a while to put, take down my defenses when I ever, I, if I go down South and I hear someone with a, a Southern accent. Yeah. I'm like, there's something, something's wrong with them. I know it. I know it. <laughs> They're going to say some crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, see, that's just how, that's our training, you know what I mean? Um, Casual, you, you've, you've been, you've been obviously doing this for quite a while, and, and I want to ask you kind of about the artists that you've, you know, you worked with throughout your career, and, you know, I say their name, and if you could say, like I said, it's too about them and how they've uh, impacted you, or what, what stood out to you about them. Um, so I want to start with uh, Sadat X. Oh, Sadat X. Sadat X, man, I always looked up to Sadat X uh, coming up as an MC because Brand Nubians was one of my favorite groups. Um, So being able to work with him, I wanted to, I wish I could interact with him, believe it or not, and this is an ill story. I wish I could have interacted with him more when we got into the studio to record the song for Funky Beat that we worked together on Everlast album. But the day we were in the studio was the day that Big L got murdered. Rest in peace. Oh, wow. And so when he got to the studio, we was talking and kicking for a minute and he looked at his phone, so to speak, and was like, what? And he had to leave the studio because of that, if I recall correctly. And, And so... But I always looked up to Sadat because I, I was a brand newbie as head. All right. Um, go with uh, Dan the Automator and Prince Paul. Dan the Automator. They kind of count. Uh, well, Prince Paul, you know, Native Tongues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from Native Tongues fame all the way back to, I mean, Stetson Sonic, if I'm not playing. I was on Prince. Well, I wasn't on him as much with Stetson Sonic, but from the Native Tongue fame, you know, I, uh, that was another person that was like, "Oh, if I could work with Paul, you know what I mean? Right. And thought it would be a stepping stone. And Dan the Automator is just like an icon, a uh, Bay Area icon. I always, when people come to choose, I mean, choose like they want to work with High Row and they choose certain MCs, I, I always be wondering why ain't one of them you know what I mean <laughs> and so Dan was I was always one of the MCs Dan chose from the crew and that made me feel cool if, if, if what do you think the answer would be if, if someone asked Dan the automator like why why did you choose casual why, why did you want to work with him what do you think his answer would be oh cause he just told me just cause I was on that raw stuff you know what I mean <laughs> I mean we all are on that raw stuff but just like you know in the, in the nature of whatever I represent for the crew hieroglyphics and whatever I represent for hip hop, he's seen it and wanted to help me espouse it. Yeah. 
Of course, I've asked you about that. Uh, Log. Log. Now we go. Now we keep it, getting it real. Like <clears throat> I had times when. See, you asked me how it was to deal with these artists, but I have to reflect on my initial uh, how they made me feel before I could work with them. Mm-hmm. Because I had times where I just sat and listened to his CD over and over and over in my house. You know what I mean? And he probably don't even know that because once you get to the level of working with a person, those aren't the type of conversations you have. You know what I mean? Just like, but to keep it a buck, all of these moments make you say, I got to go for 30 or I need I need 15 points, 15 rebounds, and 10 assists, uh, making a, a basketball analogy out of a rap performance. You know what I mean? Like, I got to go dirty this tonight. And so I never turn down. I always be like, I got to put some of my best rhymes on those type of joints. Hmm. Yeah, is there, is there ever any sort of, I don't want to say intimidation, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you you admire these people, these artists, via the cassette tape or the CD, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get to work with them. And I feel like, I don't know, they would be like... So I, I years ago, I was at a, I was working at a radio station and, you know, like, um, Al Franken was there and Janine Garofalo, but Chuck D was there. And I was like, Chuck D is the guy, you know, Public Enemy had his c- cassette tape as a kid. And he was the only person that I was just like starstruck of the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we've started working together since then, but, and, you know, he's just a normal dude, you know, like you talked about family and stuff like that. Uh, has, are there ever those moments for you where you're kind of like, Oh shit, I have this. I think the first time I met Chuck D, I was just like, I had this cassette tape. I have the entire time in my head. Is there, are there those moments for you at all when you work with any of these artists? Oh, definitely. I mean, I remember I got to perform with big daddy Kane. They asked us to share dressing rooms and I I was I was not about to walk in that dressing room. I was like, (laughs) I'm not sharing dressing rooms with Big Daddy Kane. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) how dare me? You feel me? And I just didn't want to go in there. Then he called that came out the room and called me into the room like casual. What you doing out here? You know, (laughs) made me feel like he knows my name. (laughs) And so, yes, definitely. But when you're walking into a studio to record, all of that is inappropriate. You spend a, a, a second giving up your daps and props, and if a person start going beyond that second, they messing up the vibe mm-hmm. already. That happens to me. And if the person continues, then he just diminishing himself to not even being on your level. Why is you still talking about how much a fan of me we are and we in the studio? Right. We trying to work. Right. Right, true. Um, I want to keep going. I, I, of course, I have to ask you about the, the people you've known the longest, but um, the impact that, uh, well, one, uh, Souls of Mischief. Uh, if, you, if someone said, what's the one impact that you will continuously credit them for, uh, what would that be for Souls of Mischief, but then also for Dell? I mean, dang, that's like, that question made me frown up my brow a bit. Not angrily, but like, I'm like, huh? Like, they've <laughs> given me so much influence like you know what I'm saying it's like Axe Wolverine like how has the X-Men influenced you you know what I mean? he'd be like dude have you seen all these episodes like, like and so that's kind of like how I feel with that one but with that being said to answer the question uh, it was always 
maybe me learning how to make a song song. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when it comes to the songs, they can make hits and, you know, that's what they do and that's what they can do and with, with a, a normal hip-hop formula. And so, one of the best impressions they left on me was being experience. I mean, experiencing how to actually sit in a room and vibe up something that the whole world will love, you know what I mean? Because mm. that's and not I necessarily do. my focus ever. I'm never making a song thinking about the whole world liking it, you know? What, actually, I just want to go back real quick. When did you guys know that this was, you know, you said you, you've gone back since, like, grade school, right? I mean, when did you all know that this, that you, one, wanted to be a part of this movement, but to, you know, try to make something from it, you know what I'm saying? At about the ninth, tenth grade, ninth grade, ninth grade, we really formed a crew, crew, and start talking it, speaking it in the position. Like when I come out, this gonna happen. Then, mm-hmm. and then we'll be like, oh, when I drop my record, this will happen. But we kept on that thought train, and we never really looked at it like it wasn't reality. You know what I'm saying? Like it's kind of like some dudes. Again, I always give analogy back to sports. It's kind of like dudes on the uh, blacktop shooting hoop talking about when they hit the league, how they going to do it. You know what I mean? And we did that until it became a reality. I got uh, just two more questions, casual. One, what, um, you know, you've done this for over, for about over 30 years. What, 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 what do you think that what what continues what what allows you to continue to uh, what's that spark I guess that continues to for you to have you want to go into the studio and and, and lay down some bars? You know, I do it because it's part of me. I don't do it on any timetables. I don't do it commercial. Often, I mean, I can sell it. I guess we sell music, but. I don't do it commercially, so to speak. I'm just not going to rip myself off. What I mean is, like, you know, they have all of these rules. Rules how you should use your social media. Rules on how often you should put out music for success. Uh, Being able to not... I'm not a new artist. I have my staple in the history of hip-hop. And I don't... I really have the freedom to not have to conform to a lot of these rules because our crew has, you know, done things to acquire assets and to be able to develop a little bit of passive income to not have to focus on, like, rapping, rapping, rapping all the time. No, no, No disrespect, but... That's just how it is. You don't want to be having to do the same work as a young artist, as an elder MC, right? right. You want to be able to sit back on some stuff you've done already, you know? And then lastly, you know, you, you have this new new project with uh, Dead Perry, the Art of Reanimation. Uh, what was your favorite part of uh, the creation of the project? Mm, probably being able to spit to the new beats that he brought forward, make new material. I always love it when I get out of the businessman uh, vibe and get back into the creative vibe. And so being able to spit those bars, freestyle and, and to brand new beats was the best part of it. Uh, from legendary hieroglyphics, he's casual. Uh, casual, I want to thank you so much for being on Library Rap, the hip hop interviews with Tim Mike. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. What's good, y'all? This is Breeze Bruin from the Mighty Juggernauts. And make sure you subscribe and download the podcast Library Rap, the hip hop interviews with Tim Einan Kell. 
hip-hop journalism on the highest level. Like making Peter, I'm sure Sean are getting balls like carcasses and animal law. I mean balls like crashes, which is scratching them for. We go balls like dog on the ass of a hoe. I'm talking balls like flesh torn from cannabis jaws. We get balls like carcasses and animal law. I mean balls like grasses, which is scratching them for. We go balls like dog on the ass of a hoe. I'm talking balls like flesh torn from cannabis jaws. Got to speak on that real shit. We represent it, but minimal effort in it. It feel like heaven sent it. Hit the block in the caddy with criminal weapons in it. The smokes poke out the interior leopard skin it. Her breath stank from dip. Tell her the peppermint it. Now I shall not want you. I'll go shepherd with it. The Lord bored in the Ford four door. We do horrors like chores and deplore. Mike's more with a warlike room. Rap God to action figure come with a strap. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.